0: uh so that's uh so that's a sort of that's
1: so many damn shirts and now on to the next show (laughs) here at the top of the hour
0: (laughs) so many damn books (laughs)
1: so many so many so many damn books
0: welcome to so many damn books i'm christopher i'm drew and we have raven leilani zooming in to the damn library with us today thank you so much for joining us raven
2: thank you for having me
0: Raven Leilani's work has been published in Granta, The Yale Review, McSweeney's Quarterly Concern, Conjunctions, The Cut, and New England Review. Among other publications, she received her MFA from NYU and was an Axon Foundation writer in residence. And she is the most recent author of Luster, New York Times bestseller, incredible novel. It's so good. Thank you. So excited to talk to you about (laughs) it. Oh, and we're all all finger painted. No, what's it called? Finger polished
1: nail
3: polish Nail <laughs> <Yes>. polish.
0: <laughs> I wear it all the time which is why I call it the- <laughs> uh
1: you did all your hands did you you did both hands I did I've never worn nail polish before I was thinking about oh, even no like the how does plays it feel? I feel great <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's very empowering
3: good and good. also
1: I'm distracted I'm terribly distracted by my hands anytime I see them I'm like what's what's going on I think <laughs> some of that's because it's a very shiny yeah, it's a beautiful. nail polish.
0: So, so for those who don't know, um, FSG sent out a beautiful nail polish color along with the finished copies of the book. And we both got a bottle of this wonderful uh, nail
1: polish. It's so neat. From 25th in June who they're a local nail polisher, I think.
2: Yeah, in New York. so she, you know, um, her name is Nexus. She's the owner of 25th and June. And she read the book and totally got, I think it's core color right, which is like a kind of dark, um, like shimmery purple. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to capture. I was trying to capture that core color because I felt like I saw that too um, with the drink. Um,
2: yes, yes. Uh, It's so, so beautiful.
0: <laughs> I, I'm calling this the Prismacolor and Tonic because yes. it is um this really beautiful indigo. Um it's this Empress 1908 indigo gin that actually my sister sent me. Ah, uh,
2: okay. I when I got present. this <laughs> like purple, I was like, what is this mystery you know fluid? <laughs> um but it's it's really good. It tastes good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And then um, and it's, it's just that with elderflower tonic and a grapefruit slice. And I thought the grapefruit slice. Um, I don't know, your uh, Edie, the main character of your book, is always worried about what she's eating. And I just thought, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why yes. grapefruit is such like <laughs> a, the old diet um, food. But anyway, it
2: really is. I mean, that brings me back to like when I think grapefru- grapefruit, I think of *Requiem for a Dream*. Like kind of immediately, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's like the most grim reference point I could possibly. <laughs> <with grapefruit.
0: laughs> Well, it, it tastes delicious in this uh, gin and tonic. And so the really cool thing about this indigo gin is once you add some citrus to it, it turns to this light purple. And it's really beautiful. And, um, you know, you know, but and but the people who <laughs> at home might not know that the uh, character in the, your book, Luster, she's a painter as well as right. all the other things that she is. So, um I don't know. I just thought that something colorful and unexpected was the right way to go for a Thank drink you. here. <laughs> and it was super fun to drop it off. Um and we're keeping the drinking going and quarantine here. Keeping we're figuring the it out.
2: Yes. <laughs> really, truly, what else can you do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so true. Oh. What else we can do? We can read, we can procure yes, books right. <laughs> and look at them and think oh. that someday we'll read them.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's generally what I what I do. I feel like I always think, okay, I have enough books, like I don't do it. And then <laughs> I do it. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yep. Um this those are the books that I've read and then I have an entire shelf over here that's just books that I haven't read and it it looks at me ominously and I kind of built it to be a little bit shaky
2: yeah so that like if
1: i die because they all collapse on me it is my fault
2: (laughs) okay i like that way of of organizing books like the books that you haven't read yet like mine is it's just total chaos like i I feel like there was sort of a discourse happening recently about like color coordinating books, Uh, but i don't know how like i don't know how i would even begin even though right like i should i should have some sort of eye for that (laughs) but
0: Well, I mean, you know, so maybe we should talk about the the books that we're adding to our collection. What'd you buy? Sure. Now, Drew, do you want to mention a book or?
1: Yes, I've been relatively good. I've only gotten one book uh, in the last couple of weeks, and that is Ayad Akhtar's Homeland Elegies. Um, I had won the Pulitzer for a play called disgraced several years ago that ran at Lincoln center. Uh, And when I used to work at the public, I knew his work pretty well. I read a couple of his plays in progress and I've always been fascinated by him as a writer. And I love seeing people who I know from one realm do something in a different realm. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard that he had a novel coming out, I was like, hell yeah, why not? He writes great dialogue. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Um, And so I don't, I don't know much about it and I'm, I think I'm going to go into it relatively blind just knowing that, you know, I know him as a playwright.
2: Nice. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Raven, how about you? So I actually, you know, I, I feel kind of embarrassed about this because I think it's one of those books that you should have read, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that I haven't read, but I went and I, um, I, I mean, I picked up a bunch of debuts because there've been so many great debuts this year. So like I have, you know, Pam Zhang's How Much of These Hills is Gold. I have Mega Majundars of Burning, um, but I, I've never read Chopper's of Cancer. And mm. like my, you know, from what I've heard about it, cause I, I like have it now and I, I still haven't cracked it, but that it is a super sexy book. I hope that like it actually is. And it's not like a really serious and, and solemn thing that I'm I'm like saying that about
1: um but there's a lot of sex in that book oh
2: great, great. i'm still <laughs>
1: blushing thinking about some of the sex in that book
2: <laughs> so i'm excited to, to start that and i so i got that because so i was like this feels like unnecessary um you know part of the erotic canon
3: nice Ugh,
0: i feel like there's a whole you know genre of jokes that can come from just from erotic canon but i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna move on
1: interrupt yourself and tell us what you bought
0: Okay, so um, I, I, we got sent. I'm so excited about this. Um, Maria Davana Headley's uh, got a new translation of Beowulf. Yes, That is coming out yeah. soon, and they sent us uh, galleys, and I'm so, so excited about it. I loved her retelling of Beowulf, the mere Wife. So it's really, I'm really, really excited to to read her actually work with the original text. Um, and I also uh, keep buying candles that smell like line cues from theme parks um so i have oh the e- i have the et ride um which which smells like a cold fake forest um i've got the pirates of the caribbean ride which smells like fog machines and chlorine and i also have the haunted mansion line and it was so funny i had i had the candle lit and um my wife comes into the room and she doesn't she didn't know that it was that candle but she was like is this haunted room actually stretching and i'm just that's what the candle is
2: that's incredible where would you get a thing like that there's actually
0: okay this is this is now my new obsession um because there are a bunch of of these um purveyors of scents that sound that smell like theme park stuff um And so there's Park Sense, which I'm not sure if they're the original, but that's who I keep buying from. But there's also like Magic Candle Company and a couple others. And I don't know. I I feel like I want to go digging and figure out
2: who was the (laughs) person who first
0: monetized, you know, making the ET ride scent or whatever it was.
2: No, that's a real thing. Because like I, when I think of, you know, like the amusement park days when you get up, um, when you're in like second or third grade and like, it smelled like sun and summer and like sunblock. I just mm-hmm. like, I have a real, And when you get to like, I don't know, Six Flags or Disney, like you can, you can smell like the Dippin' Dots in a way. Like you can smell <laughs> like yeah. the sugar in the air. Um, yeah. Also like a vague, like sick, you know, <laughs> smell. Um, but like, I, I love that smell. It's very, nostalgic. It brings you right back. So I'm going to look into that.
0: Yeah, I, I I think my favorite of all of them is the E.T. ride. It was the one that I was like, "Oh my god, that's exactly it." And um, also, there's like shimmer in the candle, so you stick it. It also like shines as you as you um, light it. Yeah, <laughs> cool. It's, like, wow. it's uh, so if that if that catches your imagination, I highly recommend checking <laughs> this out. Oh golly! So that's what I bought.
1: <laughs>
3: nice.
0: You know what else I bought um, is Luster, your new novel. It's incredible. I want, Thank would you. love for you to tell our listeners um, what it's about in your work.
2: Sure. Um, so, like, I, I am weirdly still um, trying to figure out how to talk about it in a nutshell. And each time I articulate it, it's different. Um, <laughs> but I would say that, you know, it's about a, you know, young Black woman who's in pursuit of her art and is also involved in the open marriage uh, of a a man she's met online, um, and also involved in a relationship that she develops with his wife and child. So like that is, I think, the fastest summary (laughs) of the book.
0: (laughs) I love how she enters into their life, um, into their lives. And I also really love novels about painters. and, and this description of using art supplies. There's this great novel, The Art Forger by B.A. Shapiro that has some, some awesome art scenes, but I love this, um, what Edie's doing with art in this. And I'm just curious about your relationship to painting and art and um, working that into your book.
2: Totally. So um, I started as a, as well, I mean, I, it's weird. I don't, I wouldn't call myself like a real painter, but like I started, um, that was the first creative pursuit I ever liked tried my hand at seriously i went Mm -hmm. to a really a really great public high school that had like just a incredible art program like i was a teenager and like all of my you know all of my friends who were kind of on that track were all very serious about like our portfolios and like Mm -hmm. really cared about the art Um, and for a while i thought that's what i wanted to do with my life Um, Mm -hmm. you know like i toward the end of high school you know i was assembling you know, a portfolio that I would then send out. But I kind of, I just had a kind of a come to Jesus moment where I, I kind of thought, no, I don't know if I can do this for like my life, you know, mm. because there's a, there's a rigor that you need and a skill level that you need to, to really go at it professionally. And with that medium, which is really critique centric, you, you're like immediately practical about what you can do. And so I stepped away from it, um, but it was, since it was the first thing I really loved and the first thing that I had to grapple with my own limits around, it's mm. always found its way into my writing because I think that that is a, like a central part of, of art making, which is, uh, well, like failure, like that sounds like a bummer, but like <laughs> you know how to how to grapple with those, those real limits that you come up against when you're trying to make anything. And in this case, painting, um, came through in this story. And it is like, it's really fun to write because it is such a, like a tactile um, and like bodily activity. Um, and also the subject, uh, the, the general subjects of, of Edie's painting and, and my painting, the painting I still do, it tends to be like anatomical kind of portraiture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm obsessed with the body. So I think that was, you know, that was also part of the reason right? I just, I can't stop writing about it.
0: Wow. I love That's awesome. That. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I always think if you're writing a novel, like why not put some art in there?
2: Yeah. In some <laughs>
0: way, like you don't actually have to do it. You can have your character <laughs> and then people can imagine with you, which is
1: kind of sweet. Right. One thing that I really found delightfully unexpected about the novel is how much how much while it's an intimate relationship novel it's also poking at these big things that I feel like a lot of people are thinking about around living in cities right now being a young person living in a city definitely living in New York right now yeah um and I I I loved how Edie interacts with her office and she seems like the whole time kind of skeptical of the whole like capitalist enterprise.
2: That's right, yeah.
1: <laughs> and without without being like dinner party indelicate about it, how much <laughs> politics did you feel like you were infusing into the book when um, you were writing it?
2: I truly like, and this, this also feels um, like in an a- inadequate answer, but I think for me, writing, I I don't really understand my intent or even if the thing is going to come together until I'm like a third of the way through. And to, to think about um, like the sort of the politics of, of a thing, like, you know, I was clearly thinking about my responsibility um, in depicting a black woman who's trying to like work her way to meaningful work and and in depicting the environments that sort of impede her ability to do that. You know their their politics you know <laughs> just because of the identities that she kind of you know the intersection of the identities um but i i don't like in writing i feel that to think about um to think too much about that would have limited me or put fear into the writing in mm. a way that wouldn't have allowed me to um to write as honestly um but yeah no i i think more than anything, when I came to this book, I wanted to I wanted to write a human like I wanted to create a human portrait around a black woman who is who is seeking out human connection and, you know, intimacy and meaning in her work. Um and I wanted to present her her human responses which are, you know, which are complicated and which are amoral. Like I, I wanted to present that in a way without that didn't Ah, uh, that wasn't bracketed in judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think to have gone in with like a, a like an axe to grind, which I naturally do, right? You know, like but like <laughs> to to have gone in that way on the page would have been really um, I don't know, would have interfered with that.
0: Mm. You um you mentioned the intimacy. Um there's a lot of sex in this book, um, both good sex and bad. Yeah, and um, and just uh, I wondered if you had any, um, you know, because n- none of it rings false. None of it. It all feels very intimate without getting so specific that it gets falls onto the side of like I don't know what this is. Like I feel like that's the yeah. that's the balance beam of writing sex scenes. I mean, it's really um,
1: good sex writing, <laughs> and like <laughs> there's you. not a lot of
2: really good sex writing out there.
0: Um, Thank you. And, how how did you hone that and 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 what was was writing that like
2: so it's almost like it's it's actually very much connected to not going in with like a like a soapbox or you know like a this is the moral of the story it is more like i i came to the page almost in a way where i (laughs) didn't conceive of people reading it you know like (laughs) i had to i had to write in a way that felt private and specific um and that felt uh honest in the way that sex can be silly and awkward and and bad (laughs) you know like I, i really think that to have gone in trying to create a pristine or even a sexy version of sex would have um would have felt untrue um would have felt false and also deeply unsexy you know like i think to make room for those those moments of of contradiction and strangeness is is to depict sex in, in a way that's tender. Mm. Um, so I when I came to the page, I, I really truly didn't you know I I wasn't like um, <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking like I have to you know I have to make this real dirty you know like this book is going to just be. Um, <laughs> I didn't even realize how dirty it was until I started talking to people about it, like during this moment, you know, like I really, truly just wrote it the best way I knew how, which was bluntly. Mm
0: -hmm. Now that you are dealing with readers, um, (laughs) are there any reactions to the novel that you're surprised by?
2: Um, I mean... I'm, I am, (laughs) I am, I, there, there are readers that, um, like, it's a funny thing, like living in this, like this, it's a funny thing to publish a book in like the year 2020 for a (laughs) number of reasons, but also you get, you know, readers who will like ping you on Instagram with like their thoughts about the book. And (laughs) sometimes those thoughts are like, yuck, you know, (laughs) (laughs) this is disgusting, you know, but also, you know, like, it'll be tempered by like some you know, I see the heart, you know, but there, I can see that there are some real visceral reactions to um, these frank, you know, depictions of the body. And that, I mean, that did kind of shock me because we all have bodies. And, like, you know, I, mm-hmm. it, it feels like just a personal lo- knowledge that is now public, but it, it, it surprises me that, um, that, that, that um, response does surprise me. And also the open marriage mm. in the book. Has um, has come up in a way where I I feel like um, there are people seeking you know answers for me on on whether I think it's a moral thing to do, which again you know like wasn't wasn't truly what I was writing toward, um, but that too I thought was like 2018, like we had already been like this is a thing that happens, you know.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> what were you listening to while you were writing this book the the book has music in it in a number of ways but very particularly a sort of like mutual love uh between many characters of disco mm-hmm. Yeah. and it i anytime i see music in a book as somebody who loves listening to music writes to music who plays music i'm always just curious about like what what was the music that went into you writing this book?
2: Oh man, like it is. Just, I I listen to a lot of different things, and and I, when I talk about like how much I love music and what I like, it, I always feel like I'm falling into that cliche of I I love everything, but like I really <laughs> I drew from so many different um, so many different genres. So disco naturally, you know, I think is that that was my axe I had to grind. Right, like, that was I was just like I. I need to, you know, to fly the flag of disco. And, and it's not like it's underappreciated. I actually feel like there are a lot of people, especially who are reaching out now to me, who are really excited about that and excited about, you know, the way disco is big and it's fun and it's black and it's queer. And it's just, you know, it's unpretentious. Um, and there's an, an earnestness to that genre that I really, um, that interested me even just on a character level, Mm -hmm. you know, you have a character who is um, sort of sublimated so much and you're privy to her thoughts. um, Those like candid thoughts that she does not articulate, uh, you know, externally, but in these moments she is earnest and in these disco (laughs) scenes, like she is earnest, you know, but I also, I, I really, I love music that has like a, has a darkness and a speed to it so like I listen to a lot of like I gotta what do you even call it like Gothic R&B, <laughs> you know I listen to your like Kalela and your FK twigs which has like this mm. sort of um, almost sinister undercurrent but it's also mm-hmm. really pretty you know I listen to um, Metallica master of puppets was like on repeat because it really has that like that brute force and that speed which I really love on the page. Um, I, yeah, I I listened to a lot of, like, trip-hop a lot of, I think, British drum and bass. So, like, the Prodigy, you know, like, Smack My Bitch Up again was like, I mean, that's almost on the nose, right? Like, but, like, (laughs) I really, I really love that kind of, like, uh, I don't even know how to, battery acid. Like, I really love Mm -hmm.
3: that um, Mm.
2: music that has that to just, your ears are bleeding. (laughs) (laughs)
0: just to switch gears a little bit something that I noticed um in this book that I feel like no book does or very few books do is you track her hunger you track Mm. how she hasn't eaten or she's planning to not eat so that she can be intimate or you know and I just am curious um why do you think other novels don't do that? And and of course, like it meant so much to Edie to, for you to try do it in the novel. But
2: you know, I I I wonder that, <laughs> and I think I mean <laughs> I think part of that is, um, because it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not you know that the drama of the body is it. It's it's beautiful, but it's also disgusting. Like, and I don't like I don't mean to like that connotation of disgusting, but I mean it really is like. It's it's the kind of drama that is hidden from view in that, like, it's, it's happening to all of us, but like, do we even talk about it? Like, do we talk about it, you know, with our friends? Do we talk about it at parties? You know, I mean, there's a place for (laughs) talking about your IBS, you know, but like, it was important for me to depict a woman who is situated firmly in her body, you know, where she has, you know, she has a dysfunctional intestinal tract, you know, she has a like a vagina, you know, like it was important for me to, to talk frankly about, you know, about, especially those, those really kind of unseen, like acts of curation that, that women do right <laughs> in order to better present themselves. And then not eating is kind of a part of that, right? She can't eat cause she has a state coming up with Eric um, and she's being mindful of the sort of dysfunction of her body um and in a like a more symbolic you know way she is she is really truly starving throughout this book Mm -hmm. um and and that was just that was just one more way to compound that but more than anything it was i wanted to uh like like with the sex you know like i wanted to write a, a a black woman who um is a like allowed to uh, to be bodily in a way that is um, that is uncurated and that is that is real.
3: Mm.
0: I'm thinking I, of I think that he... sequence with them the, where she's delivering lobster bisque
2: right. <laughs> so I have to say like that's like that's actually like I do that for my own life. Oh, no <laughs> you know, I, I worked for postmates for a moment before I moved back to New York to build a cushion and, I, I, will, I never forget, you know, the very first soup delivery I had, like, it was just a disaster, yeah. you know? And in, in, in that, you know, chapter, right, I, I wanted you to feel like the bisque in her socks, you know, like <laughs> that, the way she moves through the body, you know, through the world, um, is her body has great bearing on, on that, Definitely. on that mobility.
1: I I love, uh, I'm going to toot our own horn here. I love what we do with the show because it puts two books into conversation with one another and it's always fun to see what happens. But you brought a book to us that is like a perfect sister novel to Luster. New People by Dancy (laughs) Senna. And before we get into talking about it, I'd love to know what made you recommend it. Mm
2: -hmm. So it is like, it's one of the... I think last novels I read in like the before time, you know, like I, a friend gave it to me and I just fed through it in the way that I, I kind of rarely uh, move through a book. And, and I think, I mean, there's something about the way Senna writes, um, a woman, a black woman who moves to the world with, with agency and who is is moving to the world actively seeking that really spoke to me. Um so it, it's just like it really is, and it's a short book too, like and that's also like my like more short books, you know. Um, <laughs> um it is really just it's brilliant and it's it's exercises incredible restraint. Um, but also allows for, you know, it's its main character display.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and it's for people who don't know. Um, new people it's about a it's about a woman who is uh, engaged and she's sort of just like moving through like having a crush on someone outside of her engagement and like what's that what that is making her do and feel um, as she also deals with being in a documentary and living her life there's this sequence of in this book which is so unsettling <laughs> 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 where <laughs> she ends up i'm not going to give it away because i think people should should read it because it's a, it's pretty wild but um i'm going to just say accidental babysitting <laughs> um yes that though i seriously i've i've it's such creeping dread. Um, I'm just curious yes. how you guys felt about about that whole se- sequence. I mean, that's why I read it fast, because I was just like, oh, my
1: God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was screaming at the page
2: the whole time. I was like, what? Ah! And I mean, like, the creeping dread is, like, I mean, I, I guess I'll just speak for myself, but, like, that is a quality that I think is an enviable thing as a writer you want to capture you know like a real gradual building of i mean in this case it's a real like gradual spiral and like i'm I'm a sucker for any any arc that kind of that does that in in a way that feels um i don't know feels not only sensitive but but earned and Mm -hmm. you can feel that you can feel that burning like as she's as she's seeking, and there's so much here, and you know, she's studying right the, the people's temple, Jim Jones. Yeah. And, you know, and there's so that there's that too. Like there are a number of kind of like real, um, concrete, sinister um beats in this book, but there's a there's a real skepticism built into the text about about community, you know, yeah. <laughs> about sort of progressing into um, a new a new way of being and and the way that undoes us like un, undoes us i think that's really like the word um where you kind of slowly see this character try and reconcile what she wants with what she's supposed to want and um and kind of and really try failing to rise to the occasion and for me um that that friction i love i love seeing that on that page
1: yeah that that thought about community really sums up something that has been rattling around and it makes it clearer to me that the issues that are being brought up in the book, the way that she's thinking about the people's temple in her dissertation, the way that she's right. trying to decide whether or not she wants to still get married, right? The way that it's done in the book, the book is set in 1996, you could jump it forward 20 years
2: 100%. and it would
1: basically be the same like cell phones wouldn't ruin the creeping dread of the story really
2: that's right and like her being a scholar her working on like her dissertation does i think feel like the way i personally as a writer i love to i mean i guess you know like you love to write um a writer an artist someone who is naturally um kind of situated in the role of observer and like a cataloger and she is that you know so her her observations of the world are are like merciless in a way and and, and merciless in a way that is is sometimes directed like inward yeah. in a way that is really really compelling. To
0: did you know things about uh, Johnstown before like going into the book or or was she teaching you things about Johnstown as as it was going?
2: She was definitely teaching me things. Um, I feel like I know the general things that we, I think we all know, you know, how it ends. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I I didn't think about or know much about the ideologies that sort of drew people in, which it seems like you just think of like a charismatic leader who is magnetic and then you think of the, you know, sort of, uh, tragic end, but I think that too was important because these I, I, I might I might honestly be getting this totally wrong, but like these ideologies were on their face kind of innocuous, you know, like and that is um that's really that's really interesting.
0: Mm. Yeah. I definitely had like a um another one of those sort of visceral oh no uh when she runs into her friend who get gets her t- tested for thetans, Um yeah. <laughs> oh my God yeah <laughs> with the Scientology because um, yeah, I, I, I also loved that she used um, that repetitive questioning as like a space to actually go into her own memory yeah and um, and bring that all out because it ended up being this incredible narrative tool. Where she could Definitely. go into her memory and then yes. bring bring us back out. I thought that was so cool.
2: And that is like a real like magic trick. I think it, like for a writer, I think the, the flashback is like the hardest thing to do without it feeling totally expository and like 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 outside of the book. Uh, but she really kind of she I don't know she transitions into those moments where you get to see what made this character. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that feels that feels natural, um, but that too, like you know, that moment where she's drawn into this, you know, this testing, this Scientology, <laughs> um, you know, group or um, I don't know recruitment center uh, is like there's an element of this book too that is deeply surreal. You know, like I, I really appreciate that uh, about about books that are able to take enough of a risk on the page to to you know to ask the reader to sus- well to suspend their disbelief a little bit you know like and she kind of she enters these environments like you know the wedding like the you know when she's looking for a wedding dress um or mm-hmm. she gets sucked into this recruitment center or she does the accidental babysitting you know <laughs> she, she's a wanderer and like in a in real life well i don't know actually that that could be the point though that she is kind of granted entry into these places um, where that are kind of inherently hostile um, mm. because people kind of um, afford her that privilege because they I don't know they don't see her adequately, but um, there's a sur- there's a there's a kind of surreal quality to the way her environment swallows her up.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's that scene in the bathroom that is like there there might be a ghost there might be it's something in her brain it's a very yeah eerie questioning moment that I think because of all of the other moving pieces that that scene works and it fits yes. and I never questioned it
2: yes
3: yeah
1: and I think it also heightened everything else suddenly I couldn't necessarily trust not the reality on the page it wasn't like a Shirley Jackson thing where like right. oh maybe this is all in her head right but I definitely was like oh this is I'm in some other world right now
2: yeah just slightly
0: I love the echo reading these book- books so close together of like because um in in lester Edie goes into a space like she goes into a house that isn't hers as, you know right that's as right as well and 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 has these this it's it's a similar tension and um I I I guess like uh, casual B and E is just like
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> casual it's, just, B&E.
0: <laughs> it's just a um a good a good thing to do <laughs> in fiction, um because it, it brought out this really um I don't know it, it brought up this really tense atmosphere that just never let up in both books um I think yeah. that because it, it just gives you this sense that this character can really do anything that they might mu- that that's right th- that they're both wanders they might end up they might open a door that they shouldn't just because it's there.
2: That's right. Like that that is, I'm I'm glad you you I feel like you phrased that in a way that I've actually been trying to phrase it when I when I talk about those that moment in in the book and and those moments that kind of allude to her capability to do that which is it's really it's always really I think compelling to follow a character whose actions you cannot entirely anticipate. It's mm. always like when I was writing this in workshop, you know. Before it was like when it was just a Google Doc, you know, and I would bring my pages to workshop. You know, I a, a kind of fellow, uh, like member of the of my cohort, turned to me and he's like, "I don't know why I'm scared, you know, but <laughs> I'm scared reading this. Like I feel like something is gonna happen." And I was like, "Good, that's good, you know, like i really <laughs> that's what you want. That's, that's what you want awesome. that creeping dread." <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's something thriller-like about it, although, like, I don't think anybody is going to kill anybody. Um, right. But, like, you just feel like, oh, someone's going to get their heart ripped out, you know, yeah.
3: metaphorically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to make a more complete list of novels that are set, like, during an engagement or before, right before a wedding, because I just... Uh, read and loved uh marie helen bertino's parakeet and it has some similar like tension about like will they get married will will they go through with their wedding does does the dress yeah. fit type of stuff and i just feel like there is that's such a rich uh space for tension and love and all the things yes. that make a novel great um i want to know more about this particular genre the the just be the before the wedding genre <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I actually I'm going to have to put that on my list cuz I've heard really really great things about it. I think that my my reference point, I guess, which is I don't know, I, I feel embarrassed, but like is is usually like TV. I feel mm-hmm. like there are so many iterations of this of this tension like God, I'm so sorry, but like Grey's Anatomy, Sex and the City, like the, <laughs> the, you put on the dress and she like gets hives, you know? Like it's a very um it's like it's a real um it's a rich it's rich territory for for that kind of tension of being a woman and and it, you know experiencing that friction between what you should want and what you do actually want
0: yeah i well especially as these social mores get questioned more and more as we go further of just like why why do we do this thing? like why is the dad giving the daughter away like, right. what is that all about mm-hmm. um do does that still make sense in 2020 like do you walk zoom only down the down your
2: right and like in this book you know um like her seeking her wanting to you know um wanting to want the things that she should want it manifests like in her sex right like the way that she describes sex with um, her fiance is like it's solemn yeah. <laughs> revolutionary sex. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, what a dress, you know? Like, geez, and it's it's really it's really interesting how those how that like deferral of desire manifests bodily, and in in the case of like my book, I think how it manifests is in a way that is well destructive and mm-hmm. and explosive and, and in this book too right like ultimately yeah um yeah so that is i love that
0: i mean it's hard to compare eric and khalil they're very right. different they're in very <laughs> <Yes>. different spaces <laughs> in very their lives much. very much <laughs> um, but, but i mean i i guess i'm back on your book but i mean writing eric must have been an interesting challenge or maybe it was easy to get someone like that on the page he just seems so unexceptional
2: right um. (laughs) well that was that was like important to me but like to be like an ordinary dude you know who's like trying to i don't know um reinvigorate his marriage you know trying to be new and and feel joy but also like subject to the pitfalls that you wouldn't normally have in like a an arrangement where there are literally two people at opposite ends of life you know um and i think her trajectory edie's trajectory is is understanding that ordinariness, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even though the sort of the power imbalance initially excites her, but mm-hmm. I think there's so much, there's so much that is compelling in in the ordinary, you know. Um, so yeah, it was important for me, like even with the wife, you know, that they that they have jobs, you know, like that they not be exceptionally this or exceptionally that, that they are just like a family who have jobs who are trying to like make this marriage work, you know, essentially. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it feels like I just had this, this thought of the graduate and the ways that luster, I don't know. I want, I want luster to like be the tome that people look at in the same way that they think about the graduate where like when my dad talks about the graduate, he's like, Oh, I was very transgressive. And it was like, Oh, (laughs) and that I look at it and I'm like, yeah, okay. This all like, it's a little bit uh, questionable, but like, it all makes sense to me. It all feels natural. And that I could imagine luster being the kind of book that people point at and they're like, oh right, like this This was one of the first texts that interrogated this and treated it, treated everything about this book naturally.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: In a way that I really, I don't know, I, it it feels very exciting to me, the possibilities of storytelling in a world where we aren't fettered by like Puritan mores, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: That that was really important to me that I try and present like these characters in a way that felt humane and and non-judgmental but like it, it was like in in writing this i really just yeah i really just i just wanted to write toward write toward the ordinary and in a way like the ordinary for edie is still quite hyperbolic you know mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know her identities have bearing on on the way she feels her her environment. Um, and, but, you know, I do think too, like on the page, on, on a craft level, if you are positioning a thing as an extraordinary thing, you are already asking your reader to do a lot of work.
3: Mm. You're asking
2: your reader kind of almost to, to disbelieve you. And so it, it's like easier to, to position these things, which I do believe um, are ordinary.
3: Um,
0: mm-hmm. For Edie, like even dressing up like a superhero and going to comic con yeah. with, her, with her lover and his daughter um <laughs> it's just like that's just part of life like it, it's not <laughs> like, this is just the way things go at the same time though like i feel like if you were trying yeah. to convince your um your partner to open up your uh relationship, I don't know if you would give them luster. I'm not
3: right.
2: <laughs> that's right. That's that's totally This correct. is what and, you
0: read and now come back to me. What do you think? <laughs> I think they'd be like, I don't think so.
2: <laughs> and it I would say too, well. you know, the Comic Con like that and that's my authorial hand like showing like very much where I was just like, I have to write about Comic Con I, <laughs> <laughs> I have to get this in here. Um where I just I wanted like the disco to to write about a thing that feels um, deeply earnest, um, mm-hmm. and that I, I personally really love.
3: Okay. I have love you, that
1: piece. Have that you, you dressed wrote?
0: up to co- go to Comic-Con? 100%. You-
2: I like, I, uh, I didn't my first time, but my second time I went, I dressed up to be ever watched Venture Brothers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I dressed up as Dr. Girlfriend.
3: Yeah. Oh,
2: cool. yeah. <laughs> <I love
1: it>. <laughs> <laughs> the, the piece that you wrote about going to comic-con and about dressing up i was like i have i have friends who have done it but also most of my friends are theater nerds yeah. and so it's it weirdly <laughs> like costumes and going like i still dress up to the nines for halloween and it's not that weird in in yeah. my community in a way that in the rest of the world people are like well, you do what <laughs> yeah. and i just a bunch of my friends who did not know you were a novelist Were sending that piece around and they were like, this is so cool. It felt like like the first time it was, it was being treated like something normal.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. It was very cool. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I really, for me too, especially, um, you know, that is how I feel like I, I learned how to relate to things was, was through fandom. And I think when you learn how to relate through fandom, you're, you're like, baseline is an earnest engagement like that is really beautiful to me and also you know for me i i'm like a reformed seventh-day Adventist. you know i'm i left my church and so i think fandom uh was one of the things that that filled that god hole (laughs) you know and because it really is like it is it is one of those things that is like adjacent to to worship. It's like a real belief in in the fantasy and it's a vulnerable thing, you know, mm. to to be that overt in your, you know, in your love and you know, your fandom.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we should um switch over to some other things we're earnestly fans of um, <laughs> and and recommend a couple things. Yeah, let's do it. you take a look yeah. uh, Drew, do you want to start us?
1: Sure. I just read and uh, devoured I always read graphic novels very quickly. I like I read them in a nice. single sitting and I love doing that. and Joe Hill uh, got to run a little imprint at DC comics for like the last year called Hill House comics and he wrote one uh, and he commissioned some other writers to write a couple and I've now read four of them they are all amazing but the best one by far proving that she can do literally anything. Carmen Maria Machado's yeah. The Low Low Woods uh, illustrated by a woman named Danny, not my wife <laughs> um, it's it is these two teenage girls living in a a central Pennsylvania town um, that's a little bit based on Centralia, where there's like an underground mine fire.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, This is one of those things that I weirdly, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. I visited Centralia several times as a child. And so it's like, there's a big resonance for me of like, oh yeah, that's a a spooky place. This story deals with consent and feminism and the patriarchy in like classic gothic ways in body horror ways in completely inventive new spooky ways it i just i was astonished at what could be done in the bounds of a graphic novel and i think that that is so much down to just how much of a genius carmen is yeah um i really i just like i i have already ordered a couple copies to give to friends for halloween because it's just Mm. like they're all the people i'm like no 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 no, trust me this is the graphic novel this is the time uh it's so so great they're all great too if you like spooky comics um, we'll I'll list them all on our website because I can't remember the names of all of them right now
0: but the website is so many damn books Dot
2: Dot com. Com. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: uh raven do you wanna
2: yeah i um, so is it okay if it's just like a thing like a yeah okay um so uh you know now that we are you know kind of in the middle of this pandemic uh you know my partner and I we were looking for a way to kind of try and replicate an outside experience, you know, now that we cannot really do those outside things. And and, like one of those things was like going to the movies and like we, you know, we do that a lot. We're big movie people. And so we decided to get, and I think actually a lot of people ended up doing this, you know, you either live in a place where you can go to a drive through or or drive in. And uh, we we don't, (laughs) so we got a projector and it it was it was it's really really wonderful like it's it's crazy how much of a difference that makes in the experience of of watching it it almost it's either it feels both obvious and like a pretentious thing to say you know but like (laughs) it was really it really is just you know we it's like a mini projector we set it up in our our little apartment and we put up a canvas you know where we can project the you know the the film onto and We've just been making our way through some of our favorites. You know, I hadn't seen um, *Spirited Away* Miyazaki. You know, I love all of Miyazaki's movies, and I hadn't seen *Spirited Away* in like I don't know since I was like fourteen. And kind of watching that projection, seeing it kind of up there, and it's just—I mean, first I think it's the—you know—it's the material.
3: Mm -hmm. It's a really.
2: Beautiful, like extremely intricate illustration, like the you know being sucked back into that almost like that folkloric you know beauty, and seeing it, like being able to experience that at home has been really really wonderful. A kind of a way to um, to experience what you know. I I assume we won't be able to um, experience for a while.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I that's that's super great i miss going to the movies so much (laughs) (laughs) it was like a once or twice a week thing for me so it's very sad that
1: i we don't have that now christopher do you want to recommend something
0: yeah i want to recommend a couple things one is um it's a thing polar seltzers um has released again their mythical flavors um, and and they are flavored unicorn kisses, dragon whispers, <laughs> mermaid songs, and yeti mischief. Oh, boy. Yes. And, <laughs> and uh, they're all, like, r- really, like, silly on the can. And they're also eight ounces. So they're tiny and they're adorable. And there's these little just, like, tiny piece of magic for your day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, fresh direct. If you're um, ordering groceries, has all of them, and um, I just I I love pulling them out, and they've got like it, it reminds me of actually um the Thai Beanie Babies uh, poem, like there's a, a little story about oh. like how the magic of seltzer got infused into these characters' lives.
3: <laughs> oh my god,
0: <laughs> uh, it is completely delightful. So um, polar. This is not sponsored. I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> Send us some. <laughs> uh, but it's. Uh, I highly, highly recommend getting some of these seltzers because it's really, really nice. And I think my favorite is Unicorn Kisses followed by Yeti Mischief. Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: What is Yeti? Can I ask? What is Yeti and Mischief?
0: Yeti mean? Mischief has like sort of a, it's like the, the hardest to describe. It's like sort of piney. Almost. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. That okay. seems right. Yeah. <laughs> That unicorn feels like the most
0: dangerous like, title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole there's a whole world. I mean, there was a couple that they only released a couple of years ago and they didn't bring them back. Pixie Lights and um Minotaur Mayhem. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> Which is just like, oh, I'd love a glass of Unicorn Kisses and Minotaur Mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> This is the next thing is I need to start mixing them together and seeing what magic happens. And then the other thing I want to recommend um, is uh, I'm, I love uh, Tamara Shopson's work all o- across everything. I think she's incredible. But she designed this five-year diary, mm. which I have finally gotten through a whole year. And now I am coming back into like a second year and seeing how my days are lining up. And so the way that a five-year diary works is it's only got a few lines on each page and it's just the date. It doesn't say like what day of the week it is. So it'll just be like August 20th and then you'll see all your August 20ths for five years.
2: Oh, I love that. So, wow.
0: um, so, you know, so I'm two entries down in a day and I'm
1: looking back, I'm like,
0: oh, look at what I was doing then. And look at what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But, you It's know, a tough year to start a uh, five-year tough... diary. And...
0: <laughs> yeah, well, also, but I think this is the year to do it because there are a lot of little details that you probably forget day to day. Like, that, that are the only things that are changing. Um, so if you can at least, like, write those down, you can look them, look back and be like, oh, yeah, I remember we watched, I don't know, Spirited Away and, and ate this particular takeout. Um, but, yeah, I feel like uh, it's, it's a great time to start um, documenting your life. And then next year, when you come back, you're like, oh, we were in quarantine then and now we're on the moon or whatever.
1: <laughs> <means>.
0: <laughs> uh, we can so, only hope. So I and there are a lot of them. There's other five-year diaries, but it this one is very clean lines and very pretty because it's Tamara Shopson.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: You know what else oh. I recommend actually yeah. is
1: painting your nails. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is <was> so fun. <laughs> Specifically, guys just do it you can just try it yeah we're in quarantine <laughs> nobody needs to see it you can use nail polish remover and take it right off it's very fun. fun
0: and also um highly highly recommend go out and buy luster it's so um, good <laughs> it's fantastic it's it's one of the best things i've read since since this all happened so thank you for a lovely escape
2: oh thank you Truly. thanks for
1: coming this to chat with us too
0: yeah this is
2: really wonderful <laughs>
0: and everybody at home you can um go to our website as i said before so many damn if you want to see all the books we mentioned as well as you can go to our patreon.com smdb if you'd like to give us money for some reason and also uh we appreciate itunes reviews I yes. say this every time i still feel like we're so close to 200 reviews you guys we're so close
1: You know what else? Make it a review spree. Review the podcasts you love on iTunes. Review the books you like on Goodreads or Amazon. Give them all five stars. Just do it. Yeah. Particularly Lester. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right,
0: all. Happy reading. Go live your lives. Bye.
1: Wahoo.